Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. So this episode, we're chatting with Chad Sheeler, and he really spent 17 years in the electronic payments industry, was very successful, but really by his own admission, felt like he was kind of on a hamster wheel. He just couldn't, he was making a great living, but he just could not extract himself out of, he's still getting calls on the weekends, dealing with client issues, et cetera. And today... He's covering his living expenses with real estate, and he's done several deals as a GP as well as a, as an LP as well. And really talked about how he did that. And, and like so many people, we have limiting beliefs where we're kind of stuck in the beginning, and we're stuck over specifically around how to raise capital. Should I raise capital? Should I take money from friends and family? And some of us decide, well, no, we shouldn't do that, and that holds us back. So therefore, we do smaller deals until Chad realized that he needed to get to the next level. And that's when he kind of got some help and had some advisors around him to kind of show him what a real syndication business can look like. So we're going to talk about that transition as well, because we all have limiting beliefs at every kind of level. The question is, how do we overcome? How do we address those things? So we're going to talk about that here in the interview in just a minute here. I want to give a shout out to Michael Jefferson, who left us a review on the yellow book on Amazon. Michael says, this book is a great reference for real estate investing I enjoy the easy-to-follow, organized format, and I'm already using it as a reference as I compile my apartment investing process and strategies. That's awesome. If you've read the yellow book, leave us a star review on Amazon. We'd love to hear how this information is helping you get started with apartment buildings. We also like to highlight people who have done deals or have become financially free. And today is our Janesh Patel. He's done his first deal. He purchased an eight-unit deal worth $800,000, and he raised a quarter million dollars he did his very first deal at age 21 while a college student, and he used the SDA, the Syndicated Deal Analyzer, which is our analysis tool, watched all the trading videos along with YouTube videos to help to close this first deal. So that is amazing, Janesh. Congratulations on getting your first deal done. Now it becomes a lot easier, and because of the law of the first deal, I talk a lot, a lot in the yellow book, you're going to attract more deals and more capital in that way. And so I wouldn't be surprised if your second deal is more around 20 units, and then it's 50 units, and then it's... 75 plus. It's going to be very awesome. So congratulations on that. If you want to fast track your success in getting in the syndication business, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And if you value mentorship or, or advisors, the reason you would do it is because you achieve your goals faster. A typical or average deal size for students are $4 million, and it takes between six and 12 months to do it. In fact, we guarantee that you'll do your first deal as a GP in that time frame. Or we'll continue working with you until you do. So we're only a program that allows us to do that. It's because we've done it so many times. Check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. One of the things, I just got back from a three-week vacation in Europe and it was awesome. But it's, it was really a vacation that was two years in the making. And really what I wanted to do is I was inspired by a book called Clockwork. And there are really multiple levels of financial freedom, right? One is, of course, is if you can work for yourself and you cover your living expenses with, with real estate, and that's awesome. I think that's really level one. Then your challenge becomes that scaling the business up and doing larger deals, raising more and more money, and building a team. And so the second milestone really in the life of that company is to remove yourself from day-to-day -day operations. And so this is why I said that this vacation 
took two years to get to, and I, I didn't check a single email for 21 days. It was amazing. And the company is still standing. In fact, it's possible that it's doing better now than when I left it three weeks ago. It's kind of unsettling at the same time that you're no longer needed as much as you would like. Now, this is unsettling to one on the one hand, but on the other hand, that's really why I got into this business in the, in the first place, is to build a team so that I don't have to be day-to-day -day operations. I'm more of a visionary, right? So where I excel is coming up with a new business ideas or new ideas, developing those ideas, actually testing those ideas, and then beginning to commercialize those ideas. That's what I'm really good at. That's what lights me up. Once something is commercialized and launched and it's, and it's working, I tend to get a little bored with it and look for something else. But that's a mistake. You need to have a team in place to actually now grow that core business. And so what I'm telling you is, as part of our dealmaker journey, really, is the step one, of course, is to become financially free. But step two in the dealmaker professional stage is to now grow that and scale that to the point where you would automate these systems you move into what I call the owner's box. And so that's really, really exciting. In fact, we're talking about that with Chad here as well, because he recognizes the need to build a team. And he's actually, in fact, started building a team, maybe even sooner than, than the average investor or syndicator has. But he does it because he recognized the fact that he wants to win his time back. And you do that by building a team. This is really cool. Not only are we going to talk about some of the limiting beliefs that he had when he first got started, he used his own money. Therefore, as a result, he did smaller deals until he realized it wasn't going to get him there. And that's when he kind of got some help and put some advisors around him to get him to that next level. But he now recognizes, having done a few deals, that he needs to scale. He needs to build a team so that he's not doing all the work himself. So it's a really awesome interview. Really going to join. Let's get into it with Chad Sheeler. And Chad, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be on here. This is awesome. The man himself. It was great seeing you at Dealmaker Live back in the, in the summer, and you were on stage to receive the deal, the Freedom Hall of Fame coin, which is normally re rewarded to people who are financially free with real estate. And you had a like six-figure income last year in real estate is what you told me earlier. So what, is, what does that feel like to have be able to cover your living expenses from basically what started with a side business? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome just to, you know, find something you're passionate about with real estate and just to be able to develop that into a from a hobby into a business. And it's just the compounding and the snowball effect that it has is is amazing. You know, over time it just it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's it's been really rewarding. You've had other businesses before. And yeah. just from your own experience your own experience as well as what you've seen around it, and it takes a long time to build a, a significant business. Yeah, it does. And yeah, long time. And how would you how would you compare the pace with which you can build a syndication business to some of the other businesses you've seen? Well, I can compare it to my last business, which I spent about seventeen years in the industry. I mean, if I had to graph it out, it was kind of kind of a slow, steady, you know, incline. I mean, with real estate, I'd say within the first year, I just saw just a huge jump, not only in cash flow, but net worth, experience, education. Yeah, and a lot of things people don't realize is the acquisition fees are a meaning, very meaningful, especially especially early on. And my experience has been that there's, and I've done a bunch of shenanigans and startups and businesses myself, and I have just never seen a business that you can ramp as quickly as apartment buildings. It's just staggering to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the the upfront fee you can make on the deal, and then besides that, just the cash flow from the equity you earn as a general partnership. I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, six figures out of the gate. Now, what point did you get started in real estate? What was going on in your career where you started looking at, at real estate? 
Yeah, yeah. I still was doing full time the last business with the credit card processing services. I did well at that, and then I just had it was always a hobby of mine or a passion of mine to be in real estate. My family was, some friends of mine were, were as well, and started listening to podcasts. Yours being one of those, a lot of books, just talking to people that were friends of mine. And after about three years of researching, finally bought my first property, bought a fourplex, and my wife said, "Well." You can only do this if you don't self-manage. I'm like, all right, I'll buy, I'll hire a PM company to manage it for me. So got the four plaques and just got the got the bug, got a 15 unit, got a 20 unit, and then I was like, all right, breaks on. My unready model is crap. I can't figure out how to make these mistakes anymore or to learn these lessons. So I found that you know your mentoring program, and she'll get that later on here. But that was what turned a corner for me, and that was kind of my first first journey in the real estate. Did you have, what was your plan? I mean, it's a lot of people just get started because like you said, you got the bug. Like I remember I, I sold a, a, one of our first houses we bought, instead of selling it, we just rented it out. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Someone's paying down your mortgage, but it's typically when you're, when you're doing a house, it's like hundreds of dollars, right? It's not, not very meaningful. Yeah. And so most people have this experience and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I can get some supplementary income, but no one really thinks, oh my gosh, I can actually use it to cover my living expenses, like within the next couple of years. That's amazing to me. Like, what was your plan when you got that duplex? You, did you just want to dabble? Or, uh, what was your thinking at the time? Man, it was 100% dabbling. It, to- it totally was. Like, I think I was sort of follow the, the Brandon Turner method of buy one home per year for 10 years and be financially free. Yeah. And honestly, I had no plan. I just didn't want to buy a piece of real estate. I knew it was a great idea. I knew it was a great investment. I knew it would be good long-term. The deal wasn't cash flowing at all for a year. So I was actually upside down for a whole year on that deal. But I knew I was in real estate as a win, right? I got my first 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 deal, check, got that box checked. But, but then I was like, okay, wait a second. I can do more with this. But I was then I started reading about, you know, buy bigger properties, like 15, 30 unit properties, you can get more scale. And that's eventually when I found this other model called syndication. And then that kind of it's what what really sped that growth up. But back to what you said. I was totally dabbling at first. There's no plan. If you asked me three years ago, if I'd be if I'd be looking at fifteen million dollar assets today, I would say you're crazy. There's no way you're doing this. There's no way. But a lot can change. Well, this is the problem. You read Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? You're like, oh, passive income, so exciting, and you're like, well, how should I do it? I'm going to flip a house, should I wholesale. You know, that's what I did. I, I just started flipping houses, and I was like, ooh, I did it. I'm in real estate. I I'm obviously I did it. Got a job though. It's <laughs> a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And I did what exactly? Like, what did I accomplish exactly? And and most people are like that. They're like, as long as I'm in the real estate game, somehow that must be good. Right. But we don't really think about, well, how do we actually going to achieve our goals? And sometimes we don't even have goals. A lot of it, a lot of times it just starts off, oh, I'm just going to have some some side income, right? I'm going to have it's good to have side income. And at what point did it start shifting to you when you kind of went, huh, interesting. I could make six figures from this business, a little extra effort. Like, when did you realize that? Let's see, the fourplex, I didn't make a lot off that right away. The 15 unit was big value add, not a lot there either. I mean, the 20 unit was value add. So honestly, I didn't make any true cash flow for probably a year in real estate. And this is before I started in syndications. Now, syndication, different story. First one of those, we got paid about 90 grand upfront on our syndication fee. And, you know, that's when we started to get, you know, true income from the property from that, from that deal. So it takes a little bit of time, but I say when you flip to a model where there's that upfront, the the fee upfront, that's going to be a lot, lot more income for you out of the gate. And I think a lot of people maybe not know that the acquisition fees are actually a, a meaningful source of income, and actually probably the most meaningful because when you're doing a value add deal, like you said, there's not a lot of cash flow in the beginning. Yep. 
But 3% of an acquisition fee is significant. For every million dollars you buy, it's $30,000, right? So you know, the average deal that our students do working with a, with a mentor is about $4 million. So what is that? It's $120,000. Typically, there's going to be two partners. So split two ways, $60,000 a person. That's significant. You know, you do two of those a year and that's a six-figure income off that until, and like you said, now what happens though is that your net worth starts building significantly because the equity you're building up. And then in years two plus, you're starting to get a lot more equity. And so it's really those acquisition fees that make a difference. Now, you said, you said earlier that you were a little stuck. At what point were you stuck and why did you feel like you were stuck? I was stuck because I felt like I had enough knowledge to take down a 20-unit property, but not enough knowledge to take down a 50-unit property. And my mentality was, I'll make my, my own mistakes first on my own money before I use investors' money, which may have hurt me in the very beginning. And it is one of this, but you know, I was a little more risk-averse. And I knew that if I wanted to take on bigger properties, which I wanted to, I had to get a mentor involved. And my underwriting model had glaring errors, like formula errors, and I, it was bad. I'm like, this is this is never to happen ever again. I can't ever underwrite with this model. So I found found your model actually through a friend of mine, and then kind of went down a rabbit hole to the mentoring program. So, but that when I found, when I was making mistakes with my model, and when I knew I had to learn learn more with other people and get a mentor involved, that's where I knew I had to change some things. So let's talk about, you didn't want to raise money earlier on. You wanted to use your own money. And that's, that's a very common thing, especially if you have your own money. You're like, well, let me lose my own money first, you know? And I always say, well, you shouldn't lose anyone's money. You're like, you know, you, <laughs> you should educate yourself. You should have a strong team. You should not lose any money at all. And that's my, really my counter argument to, to that. Oh, let me lose my own fun, money first. Yeah. So maybe that was something that maybe held you back a little bit. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to use my own money. Obviously, you're not buying a 100-unit property if you're just using your own money for... So that was one thing that you were maybe struggling with. What else maybe were you struggling with before you joined the mentoring? Yeah, I mean, raising, yeah, raising capital was, was one of those. I was struggling with really how to underwrite the right way. I mean, that was one of the, because I'm a very analytical kind of a guy, very number, numbers oriented, very detail oriented, you know, over analytical at times. And I felt like learning the underwriting model was so important to know the grasp of the whole numbers and how the whole deal works. But even more than that, it was, learning how the whole syndication process works, like how do you put a deal together, how you do the due diligence, very important, how you asset manage a property, how you find partners and team members. So I, I think learning the whole entire structure was very, was very valuable, but the underwriting is so important. I think of, of all the skills you have to know, I think you must know underwriting. Whether you're gonna do it or not, you gotta know how it works. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year, and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you. And set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Let's talk about mentoring for a second. It's been my experience. Every time I have not had a mentor or an advisor, things have gone badly for me because I felt like I'm a smart guy. I can figure stuff out and I normally can, but I make massive mistakes in the process. Things take a lot longer. Conversely, when I have a mentor who has already done what I want to do, in the mentor's mind, what I want to do is fairly simple, very straightforward. I've done it. You can do it. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure I can. What difference has working with a mentor 
made for you? Obviously, one is underwriting skills. There's no question I'm reading that. And that's a, very, a skill you can learn very, very quickly. But what are, what are some of the other differences that working with a full-time syndicator has made for you? I think it's getting the confidence. Like you said, they've already been there. So them is like a no-brainer, right? Like, oh, you got this. No problem at all. I'm here for you, buddy. Like, it's, it's, there's no problem at all for them. Whereas for us, for me, is like brand new thing. Like going from four units to 20 was a big jump, right? Go from 20 to 70 was like huge. And, but to them, it's like, oh, they're doing, you know, 150 plus all day long, no, no big deal. So just getting that comfortability factor with, with the mentors and knowing that you can run all these things past them and have them fact check your underwriting models and give you advice. They've already been there, you know, several times a years ago, just having that confidence was, I think it's, what is, it's hugely important, you know, for a new person, you don't have that confidence yet. So I, th- I always tell people like having a mentor gives you confidence. Shortens the learning curve, limits the mistakes. It's it's a win, yeah. You say confidence, and and the same thing is you got to believe you can do something, right? If you can't believe you can do something, why would you ever take a step in that direction, right? You got to have at least an ounce of belief that it can be done. You might not have all the details, but you got to believe, right? And a lot of people are held up by that because they can't believe it can be done. And I think to me, mentors and advisors give me that ingredient that allows me to move forward. I don't have all the answers, but this person somehow is confident in my ability to do something, even though I'm not. Why is that? It happened over and over in my life, and it sounds like it made a big difference for you as well. You're like, mm, maybe I can bite off this larger property. Maybe I can raise some money. How did you overcome the ability to raise money? A lot of people are stuck in, I can't raise money. I've never done money, raised money before. And I certainly don't want to ask my friends and family for the reason you mentioned before, God forbid I lose their money. How did you overcome the fear of raising money or, or you know, or the potential losing someone else's money? Well, I think to answer your question, I have to kind of start a little before that, you know? So, you know, I knew I was really numbers oriented and detail driven. So when I did my first syndication, I chose to work with two partners that I had known for a long time. And we all three banded up, like, oh, we're gonna buy this property. It's about 70 units out in, you know, Indiana here. And, you know, we're, we're gonna divvy up our responsibilities. So I'll, I'll do the underwriting, I'll find, I'll find the deal, underwrite it. And then you you go do capital raise, and then you, your your team members gonna help with asset management. So yeah, we got three legged stool here. So we go out there, we go to closing, and we're about two weeks before closing, and we realize our one point four million dollar raise, we have about one million raised so far, and we get the closing, and we're still at a million dollars. And I realized right then that I needed to learn capital raise and do it. And you know, I had to make a bridge bridge loan on the property personally to cover gets through closing, right? And it was multiple six figures and I wasn't very happy with that, but I learned a lesson there and got it done, got paid back, of course. And when I finished that that close and that deal, this is back in December of, of this past year, I immediately went and got some resources to learn how to capital raise and I immediately put it into action. And I decided I was gonna form my own company, Focus Capital, and I'm gonna go out and learn capital raise. I'm gonna get a deal, it's a small one. I'm gonna prove I can do it. So I went and found a $1.2 million asset to raise $4,000. I did it in seven phone calls. I said, all right, I can do this. Let's go. So I think for me, it was, I think for, for years, I kind of flew under the radar. I didn't really want people to know what I was doing, just kind of like just being kind of passive about it, just do my own thing. I'm just kind of how I am by nature. I realized like you've got to let people know what you're doing or they're not going to know how to invest with you. You have to get the word out there, right? So that's kind of how I got into my Calabrese journey. But once I realized I could do it, like now it's like, wow, people actually love to invest in real estate. It's, 
they, they love to have the opportunity. Now, do you have partners moving forward or what is your view on, on partners right now? Yeah, I think partners are, are great as long as you have complementary skill sets. I think if you've got partners that you kind of are all, you know, visionaries, kind of like the EOS model, then maybe you kind of have too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing. I think that you don't, you're not going to get a lot done efficiently. So I do still have partners on other deals. Our path moving forward is building out a local team here, which we're, we're growing. And then I, I also will have some partners on some deals going forward, strictly for capital raise. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I think you mentioned a few things that are critical. One is defining a role and responsibilities very carefully. I mean, the way you had it in your previous partnership actually works pretty well. I'm going to do the deals. You're going to raise the capital. Yeah. And so now you know who's accountable. That, that, so that's very important, number one. But number two, you know, it doesn't mean that you as a deal finder shouldn't raise money, right? And also, your capital raiser should know how to underwrite deals. Yep. It's just that the accountability is is different, but I think I think it's a it's a good point to be a well-rounded operator. You really need to know all those things, but your accountabilities have to be very precise. Otherwise, it's unclear who is actually accountable for raising the money. And I think that's where I've seen partnerships kind of fall apart when those roles are not cleanly defined. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, we we had a full you know document of roles responsibilities all lined out. So I mean that was the plan. We had a great plan going forward. It just didn't didn't end up that way, but. All in all, I think it was a great learning experience. We're all still friends today. We're still on calls every month. It's still going well, but I learned that for me personally, I've got to have capital raise be the most important thing that I do. Is that for me, I have identified that as being your your highest revenue per hour task. Honestly, it is. I think it is. So that and finding deals. Yeah, those two, finding deals and, and raising capital, right? If you have access to capital, your biggest problem is finding deals. Chicken and egg. So that becomes your biggest problem, chicken and egg, right? If you're a deal find, your biggest problem is capital, which yeah. is why... Joint ventures work so well in this business. And I, I don't know if you were ever used to joint venturing before. I wasn't, right? And in, in, in the restaurants or certainly my job and also house flipping. I mean, the idea of partnering with someone was completely foreign. It was just me, right? And maybe a bunch of contractors. But the idea of actually joint venturing with someone was completely foreign to me. And that once we got into the syndication world and figured that out, it was it, that was a game changer. And I don't know if that was for you as, as well, just the idea of actually joint venturing with people. You know, my, my third deal, I did a joint venture. I'm sorry, my second deal, my 15-unit deal. Uh, a buddy of mine, I know him for years, he actually <laughs> was in commercial real estate, in apartments himself. It was a big change in his life. And he wanted to kind of kind of mentor me in a way to find my first you know larger deal. So he found me an off-market property, 15 units. We did a joint venture on that deal. I was 80, he was 20. I put up, you know, my portion of the capital, him, his. So that was the first joint venture, which... Which that that's what really got me into real estate, honestly. You know, a four unit I wouldn't really consider, you know, multifamily really. But yeah, I think they're they're definitely beneficial. I agree. So what are your, your biggest challenges now? Um now my challenge is how do I be a great leader and build a team? Because I know that people is how you scale. And yeah, implementing EOS, our system, our processes, get really figuring out asset management and getting them getting a program for that. Today, our challenges would be finding enough deals that will pencil, you know? We do have one right now that has a nice sumo loan at 3.6%. We're trying to take down. We're currently investing final. That'd be our biggest deal to date. But I think right now, my focus is building a team and being a qualified buyer to these sellers, you know, that, that want to sell a big deal. Yeah. So deal flow is obviously a big problem. I and mean, if you land that, then your biggest problem will be raising money. It's like this giant ebb and flow. Now, as you're building your team, especially early on, do you partner? Do you bring on partners? Do you bring on employees? Do you 
bring on 1099s? Where are you right now when you're thinking? So, so far I've got a virtual assistant, which she's 1099. I've got a analyst who is paid in equity right now. I'm bringing on a director of operations next week or this week, actually two days. And she will be an employee. She'll be salary plus equity slash bonus. Look at two more hires in the next six months, probably acquisitions and then also investor relations. I see who's coming ahead in the next 12 months. We're going to be well prepared for that, but we're going to be mostly employees. I just, I feel like, I think for me as an owner, it's better to have the employee type role. I can see pros and cons, both to employee to partners, but I think to have, you know, a great, build a great culture in a company to build just a great alignment with everyone's interests and not have someone distracted other businesses. I think for me, I think having employees is better. Clearly. The problem is early on, how do you pay for it? Right. Because your revenue isn't that isn't that high. Now you have the acquisition fees to play with. You might have savings from, you know, previous business that you can play with as well. How do you pay for all that? And that's that's the thing. Normally you, you cover the, the overhead with asset management fees that requires a certain amount of scale. How are you going to cover the, the overhead? Yeah. So great point. So I personally make an investment in the business, you know, to bring in the operations person. You know, it's it's a bit of a risk, right? I mean, I see what's coming ahead in the next it six is. months. I know the next deal we're going to do right now, we'll close on next month. We'll pay for the, her whole annual salary, but she'll be getting a blend of a base salary plus plus bonus and equity, but that base salary still is overhead, right? So, you know, I have a fractional CFO I work with and we're modeling out our cash flow picture and our, our comp plan structures the next, you know, couple of years. But part of it, Michael, part of it is an, a, an investment into the business for myself. If I didn't have that luxury from other business I have, like I would probably have to do partnerships, honestly. I probably would because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be cash flow today to cover their 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 salaries. But I feel like since I had that luxury, I, I can do that to invest in them right now. It is a bit of a luxury, just to be clear about that. You have money to invest in a company, but I think it's the best way. And the other way is to bring on partners, right? To do what you're. I'm going to bring in a chief underwriter, like you said. You're going to pay them an equity. They work for free, but they get paid equity. And that's how we got started as well. We just brought in partners and and that worked w- very well for a number of years until the the income of the business allowed us to basically not have to do that anymore. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, the, the less partners you have, the better. I yeah. mean, that's just, <laughs> you got to slice the, the pie. Paying your, paying your analyst on equity at 5% on a big deal is like oh. six figures, right? But oh, I mean, yeah. let's call yeah. a spade a spade, right? You go hire an analyst and you know locally here as an employee, You'll pay half of that for an entire year for the salary. So you just got, it's a business, right? But I think starting out, it is I a can business. see why part, partners would be a better way to go. Well, maybe. I think in the beginning, if you're trying to get off the ground, it's really, for many people, it's really the only option you have. The only thing you have to play with is, is equity, right? Future equity and, and deals. Yep. And that, that's your currency, right? You, don't, you can't pay someone a salary or anything like that. And so, and, but then you get to deal with a situation, like you said, we, you know, we, had, we had partners in the early days, you know, by the, by the time, the dust settled and the deal was sold five years later, they got a staggering amount of equity, you know, far exceeding anything they could have done. We're like, ah, yeah. that's a painful check to write. You know, well, you and so this is, tr- that's right. But without that person and without partnering with that person, we couldn't have done the business. So it's like, you know, it's like a, like you said, chicken egg problem a little bit, but this is kind of, now you've scaled a business before. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So how is this different or similar to uh, what you did before? The other business was more of a sales business. So I didn't have to really manage a big team. You know, I was an independent contractor for another company and just it was kind of me and one other person, my admin. So it wasn't very, it, there wasn't really scaling involved. But with that business, 
I felt like I was always a hamster in a hamster wheel. Like always finding the next deal, the next sale, constant turnover with customers, constant, you know, weekend phone calls. And honestly, for me, like it was a great business to be in, but I just want to have something that I had more control over than something that I could as a hard asset to look at that's not going to go away. People have the place to live and it's only going to keep getting them out of time. So I appreciate. So as far as how you, how the businesses differ, this has been honestly just a, a huge learning curve for me. It's been a lot of fun. I'm very passionate about it, but it's it's been a lot of work, a lot of work in terms of like building the, the team, right? That's hard. It's been a lot of work. But as far as actually finding the deal and doing my first syndication, that was way easier in terms of my other sales job. Well, it's funny. Most syndicators do their first deal, and it's a huge milestone, obviously, something to celebrate. And then, you know, most syndicators starting out, their scaling plan is simply to do another deal. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> you know? And I think you recognize that there's more to it. You're actually you're actually investing in the future of that. You know, well, if I keep doing these deals, the, the wheels are going to come off. So therefore, I'm going to need an assistant. I'm going to need an underwriter. I'm going to need someone to run the operations. But most people don't recognize that. I think the only reason you recognize that is probably because you had some exposure to running a small business before. Yep. But it is all about building the team. I think Talking about financial freedom for a second, there's like different tiers of financial freedom. One certainly is getting out of the hamster wheel. It sounds like you're out of that right now. You had a great living, but like I said, you had some flexibility that was not there. Now you're getting that flexibility. Most syndicators work as hard or harder than they did before, right? And so the second tier, the second tier of financial freedom is really, and this is what EOS talks about, is really getting your company to run itself. Rich is really what we call it moving into the owner's box. So creating a company, creating some scale, and then removing yourself from operations, right? Because at the end of the day, once, the, once, it, get big, once it gets big enough, you can delegate large parts of, uh, of, the, of the business. I mean, right now we have, for example, someone handling acquisitions, and that was a partner that's handling that before. We have a lot of automations around capital raising as well. So it's possible. And I think that is kind of the next tier is building that company up where you're literally in the owner's box. Yeah, that would be amazing because like either you have a problem of not enough money, not enough time, right? And now it's like, how do I buy my time back? How do I leverage and outsource the people in my network, build a team, build a process and a system, like you said, Michael, to where you can get your time back, be in the owner's box and really just kind of be a, a, a very efficient CEO. But it takes time. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's time, it's time and, and money. But the business has a potential for addressing both. I, I mean, I... I've seen it. I've seen it happen for myself and for others as well. And and there's very few other businesses in the world that that have the ability to do that. And so I'm really excited about about the syndication business. Now, if someone's listening to this right now, going, "Hey, I want to be like Chad when I grow up." What is your what's your advice to someone who's maybe involved in their own business, high income earner, but like you said, you you feel like you're kind of on a hamster wheel a little bit. What is your advice for fast tracking to to getting to where you are right now? I would say if you want to fast track, I would say number one, find a program that you can get involved with the coach in your spare time. I think that's going to give you the confidence you need. It's going to give you the skills that you need to go out and find that first deal and your first syndication. I feel like you do your first deal and then you're going to have a whole different outlook on life and, and real estate. And then you're going to be like, okay, this job, I have a one year timeline out left here. I'll be in real estate full time in a year, right? So I think, I think, but I think the key, man, is just getting that. Get in the coaching so you have the confidence and go do your first deal because real estate is, a, is an awesome thing. That's awesome. Hey, Chad, it's been great jamming with you here. How can people connect with you? Yep. LinkedIn, Chad Sheeler. Also, my website, focuscapital.com. 
That's awesome. All right, Chad, it's been great. Thanks for sharing your experience with us. As well. Thanks, man. See ya. I think the key things to remember from this episode is to be aware of your limiting beliefs. Everyone has them at every level. What are they, right? What is holding you back right now? And, and really shine a light on it. And sometimes when you verbalize these things, you can now actually address them in some way. And I think that's key when Chad realized that he had a hang up with, with taking other people's money because he might lose it. That is a major limiting belief that he could only overcome with help from, from a mentor, right? The whole idea about raising capital was very foreign to him. Also, really, one way we're always limiting in our beliefs is our, our confidence in, in everything. Doing that first deal, doing the first deal of 50 units, doing that first deal of 100 units, doing that first $50 million deal, right? At every single level, you get these barriers of belief. And really what you need to do at those at, at each level is find someone that's beyond where you want to be. It could be an advisor or a mentor or a coach or somebody. And if, if you have to pay for that person, so be it. I have multiple business advisors that I pay for, and they're unbelievable. I mean, these people are operating at a much higher level than I am. And for them, the things that I find complicated to them is simple. They've already had them in the past. They've already solved them, and, and they're happy to share how they solve those things. And it cuts off years off the development cycle, which is why it's so important to invest in yourself. I get a lot of questions from people. Hey, I got a certain amount of money. You know, Should I put it in a piece of real estate, or what do you suggest I do with it? And I always say, invest in yourself first, because you always get the highest ROI from investing in yourself than any kind of investment you can possibly make. This is why we talk about mentoring a lot. This is why I remind you guys to check out our program at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor, because it's so transformative, right? How is it possible that someone can do a $4 million deal within six months, right? It's because of our program and the blueprint and the people you're working with in the team. That's how powerful it is. So as much as you can afford to invest in yourself, invest in it because it moves you forward so much further. So that's the absolute key is acknowledge your, identify your limiting beliefs, where your confidence, where your comfort zone stops, and align yourself with people who can move you beyond that. Now, if this all sounds very complicated about finding deals and raising capital, you just want to invest passively, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Our investment company is called Nighthawk Equity. We're at nighthawkequity.com. Just schedule a call with us here. We'd love to share some upcoming opportunities that we have with you. So with that, hope you're inspired by today's episode. Now let's get a deal done. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.